Hello, and welcome to the Good Leadership Podcast, where today we review the November 2023 Good Leadership Breakfast featuring the recently retired CEO of SPS Commerce, Archie Black. I'm Paul Botts, the CEO and founder of Good Leadership. And I'm Kevin Sensenig, the President and Chief Learning Officer of Good Leadership. Uh, we're an organizational effectiveness firm based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the Good Leadership Breakfast is the signature event of the firm that started 13 years ago as a small gathering of like-minded leaders has grown into a dynamic force of leaders who are improving the way organizations operate because they know that goodness pays. So reasonable people may be asking, what do you mean by goodness? So, Kevin, will you explain what we think about that? Yes, our How Goodness Pays research helped us define goodness as when people thrive together in a culture of encouragement, accountability, and positive teamwork. And it's really that thrive together concept that creates the perfect platform for the coaching processes that we use to create team alignment and the leadership development programs that increase organizational capacity. So to get started, we need to thank Old National Bank once again for being the presenting sponsor of The Breakfast and this podcast. So if you're listening to us and you haven't seen their hilarious, awesome TV ads, then go to YouTube and find them because you, you just got to see them. They're so creative. Oh, they're very creative. And I love those commercials. The one at the breakfast today was around succession planning and preparation for leadership transition. And just to see the those still in the business versus those outside of the business thinking about it was just hilarious. Yep. Dad's still out in the golf course. That's just right. love that. So, Kevin, um, you know, I live here in Minneapolis-St. Paul. You live in Pennsylvania. You flew in for the breakfast. Uh, what else is going on in your life these days? Well, it's been a very busy fall. Um, you know, I also talk about my family and the boys. And so now we're getting ready for the holiday season late in the fall here. And uh, so getting used to having older sons out of the house now and working around uh, holiday arrangements and plans when they're not all in the house anymore. So it's been an interesting transition for a wife and I. How are things going for you, Paul? Well, we should say we're recording this the weekend before Thanksgiving. Yep. And um, in my family, we now have grandkids, three of them. Oh, yeah. The youngest one is uh, five months old. Now this is the first real big celebration post-COVID that includes all family. So nice. uh, my wife, Melinda, will be making the big bird, and we're musicians in our family, and everybody's excited about uh, singing around the piano, Great. which is something we love to do. And then we also go outside and throw the football around and stuff. So, you know, in, in, in Minnesota, when the season changes are so dramatic, this is the first real transition, you know, mm. at Thanksgiving time. So it, it, it's fun. It's my favorite holiday. So this morning was the 106th episode of the Good Leadership Breakfast. Archie helped us close out our fall series where our theme was good leadership is a team sport. Michelle Havens with Northern Trust was our speaker in September. And Mayan Tran with the St. Paul and Minnesota Foundation was our speaker in October. We chose that theme because the mission of the Good Leadership Breakfast and our firm is to spread goodness through good leaders because we've proven goodness pays. So, Kevin, will you explain to people what happened earlier today in the breakfast? Sure. Well, we're consistently hosting more than 200 leaders in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area of Minnesota at the Metropolitan Ballroom. And the program today featured the recently retired CEO of SPS Commerce, Archie Black, before Archie, we collected some data from the audience, and then later in the program, we did a workshop to help the leaders in the room improve the effectiveness with their teams. Yeah, I really am glad that we've chosen to continue to use the audience response technique to get data. I had somebody pull me aside at the breakfast this morning and just say, this is my favorite part. I just, I love seeing the data reveal itself in the room. So can you share a quick summary of what we've learned? Well, it's interesting. We have gathered some data prior to the breakfast, so outside of the room. Then we gather data in the room at the breakfast to get some idea of what's the same and what's different. 
it was interesting to recognize that kind of the general population of leaders really look at teams as their role as the leader in driving the team, that it's about the expertise people bring to the team that makes it successful, and that they can use a team model to drive that sense of team interaction. Whereas those who've come to the breakfast have that goodness mindset, they tend to have a more relational connection to their team. So they lean in more with the gut feel of leading their team, the connection. They believe in the value of the team members coming together. But the challenge of that is then they tend to look at it as the relational piece will carry them through rather than the structure to it. The good and bad of both those pieces to think about, are we blending structural and relational elements? Yeah, and one of the things I find so interesting, particularly at the end of a series where we see the data grow from one month to the next to the next, is that yeah, it really highlights the value of us coaches because there's clearly a bias by most leaders. And our belief system is you have to have 50% of a relational capital Mm -hmm. and 50% of structural integrity, epoxy. You put them together in equal amounts and it creates a really strong team. Our data proves it out every single time, but it was fascinating to see the bias in the national sampling and the bias in the room. So I'm glad we keep doing that. So by way of background, Archie Black, he recently retired from as the CEO of SBS Commerce. That's the third time we've said that. I know that. When he first took over almost 25 years ago, the organization was nearly bankrupt. Mm -hmm. They were struggling to make payroll. And what they made the hard decisions then to focus in on their key business, which is serving retailers to using cloud-based technology to really balance their inventories. Mm -hmm. Because in retail today, it has to be real-time, like up to the minute. And they've been focused on that same, he calls it bullseye, There's a marvelous market opportunity. It's billions and billions and billions. And they have hit their growth goals 93 quarters in a row. It's 22 and a half years they've hit their growth goals. And it's it's an exceptionally uh, exciting story. Well, that's a really good summary. Thank you for that, Paul. And so the strategy of this podcast is what we call our Monday morning quarterback, where we review several specific segments of the interview with Archie, And then Paul and I will comment from our perspective as executive coaches. So, Kevin, what was your first impression of Archie? Well, you introduced him as an athlete, and he kind of laughed about that. But his whole conversation had an athlete's perspective, being very focused, winning, driving results. And so that came through loud and clear in the interaction. But just a very magnetic person. He just really connected with the audience, was very commanding of the room, but yet very personal and connected nicely. So it's an interesting combination of a person. Yeah, my impression was, you know, I've interviewed how many people now, a hundred and some, and some of them work really hard on what they're going to say. Yeah. Archie just, it was oozing out of his pores. He wasn't thinking at all. He it was so well, it wasn't well rehearsed. It's just in his being. Yeah. So let's just get right to the program here. We'll pick it up when I asked him the opening question. I use the same question at the in each series, and so I asked him the question, you know, when you hear the words, good leadership is a team sport, what, what comes to mind for you? Mm-hmm. Well, for the team sport part, a lot comes to mind um, about what it is and what it isn't. So if you think about our business, our business really is a team sport um, in the fact that the way we're structured, at least, makes it a team sport. For sales organization, the majority of their sales is actually from the customer base. So if they don't have a really strong customer success organization, there's no way they're going to make their numbers. The customer success organization is reliant on technology, right? Customers call because technology doesn't work. And I can go around and around about 
how we really are have to be a team sport. But there's a lot to making it work. So what it isn't, and I think what a lot of people think it is, is people getting along. Right? And I, you know, you kind of mentioned yeah, that. that. Harmony piece, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm harmony. And I can remember a few years back, I actually brought two executives into my office. And they were really close. The two of them got along really well. They had beers all the, all the time, and they went to lunch all the time, and they got along really well. And I said, you two have the worst working relationship of any two executives I've ever met. And they were astounded. Really, they were really astounded. And the reason is, is they weren't holding each other accountable. So it's great that you get along, but if it's not used for something, it's, it doesn't really matter. Um, and then, you know, there's a couple things that to make it a team sport is really, really important. You know, the players and the team and, and the culture is really important. So it has to start with the ELT, mm-hmm. the executive leadership team. When you're in an executive leadership team, are you there as the head of technology or the head of sales or the head of customer success? Or are you there as a leader of the organization? Uh-huh. And if you're there just to get more resources for your team, yeah. it's not going to work. Right? So you have to have common goals. You have to have people that actually buy into, we win if we win. Mm-hmm. So winning is a culture at SPS Commerce. We talk about winning a lot, and it's not individual winning. So you need the culture and the people to really buy in that they're there to make SPS Commerce win. And then you also need to have a culture that rewards people if SPS Commerce wins, that it, yeah. that it follows, sure. right? Their behaviors yeah. follow. So I think it starts with culture. Um, pe- people need to be there. They need to be supportive of each other. They need to hold each other accountable. So it, I think culture is a big part of it. But then the most probably important part of it, what I think a lot of companies get this wrong, is alignment. You have to know what you're trying to do mm-hmm. and when you're trying to do it. So we have a value, win today, win tomorrow. So I'll give you an example. Our strategic initiatives are all about win tomorrow. And what happens in an awful lot of companies is the strategic initiatives and what you're trying to accomplish are talked an awful lot at the executive team and then to the board of directors. Mm -hmm. Well, between those two groups, they do about one half of 1% of the work. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. If I've offended a lot of people here, that's fine. I'm, um, I'm part of those teams, so um, I'm offending myself. And then the communication stops yep. for everybody else. So I think what you need to be able to do is you need to align, and we talk about alignment a lot as a business. People need to be aligned. So last week or the week before, we had our growth summit. We pulled every employee, 2,500 employees together. Uh, 1,500 of them flew to Minneapolis. Uh, to talk about our strategic initiatives about next year. So it's not just the executive team and the board now knows what Mm -hmm. we're trying to do, Mm -hmm. but all employees. So I think that alignment of what we're trying to do, and by the way, they're written up so that people can remember a month later why they're doing something and what the goal is. So I think think that alignment through the entire organization is is extremely important. Otherwise, you, you have a team sport, but we don't know if we're bowling or you know, <laughs> we're golfing or what, what's yeah. our sport. Yeah. So that alignment through the whole organization is, is extremely, extremely important. Well, you're- so, Kevin, you were observing this conversation. What, what did you hear in that? Two things really caught my attention. One, we always say with clients, harmony is the enemy of high performance. And Archie went right into that. And he talked about the value of that 
healthy tension of pushing people and not just looking for everyone to feel comfortable and happy about where they're at. That really stood out to me that he started that as part of his initial conversation around what being good with a team sport really means to him. Mm-hmm. The second thing that was interesting, he talked about the ELT, the executive leadership team, and the need to show up at those meetings as an executive leader, not as just someone there to get resources for your own department. And I had to laugh to myself as I heard him say that because I was with a client earlier this week. We did a quarterly business review for their strategic plan. And partway through, someone was presenting their, their goal activity and the HR leader started asking some really tough questions. And someone said, you're getting hammered by the HR person. Yeah. As though it was a, what, what's going on? It was kind of a joke. Yeah. And so I stopped and I said, wait a minute. We're here as leaders of this organization. You're not here as an HR leader or as the leader of sales, a leader of product management. If you think like that, you're only going to protect your area. We're going to lead the organization. And, you know, they kind of him hauled a little bit, tried to get out of that. But it was a really powerful comment. So when he said that this morning, I went, Boy, it's just such a powerful connection to what I just heard recently in a client situation. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, we we It never ceases to amaze me how much energy we put into getting our clients at the C-suite level to see that team as their number one team. Right. Now, the other observation that I have here is that labels matter. Mm-hmm. He's really good at labeling things that are important. This win today, win tomorrow. The win tomorrow are our strategic things, but win today is what you're accountable for right now. Yeah. I absolutely love that label. I guarantee I'm going to carry that forward. Yeah, that was great. So let's move on to the next sec- section that really stood out in Archie's comments. And it was his thoughts around how he turned around SPS. You mentioned... When he came in, it was not successful as an organization, and now it's very successful. He gave some really good insights on how he did that. I would say probably the biggest thing and the reason uh, why I've been able to stay as the CEO of SPS Commerce from basically a bankrupt company to a company worth $6.5 billion is because I think it's my ability to learn from those around me. We brought in, and you're seeing some great talent here from SPS. We bring in new talent. We develop talent. And and the ability that, that they bring that in. Mm-hmm. So I didn't sit in my office and go, I got this great idea. Um, we've evolved it yeah. over time mm-hmm. and at the appropriate stages. Obviously, we were very different when we had 75 people mm-hmm. than when you have 2,500 people. Um, so I would say that's the biggest thing, at least for me, is yeah. just the learning from those around us. And I can, you know, you can rattle off stories as we've brought in different executives yeah. and what they brought to the table and new thoughts they brought to the table and how they've helped us evolve it. Mm-hmm. So you um, said when you entered in, um, it was basically bankrupt. What, what, what did you do over the first, let's say, 18 months? Yeah, I would say the two things we got focused on, which are two, for our, our first two values, is we got very focused on our customers and what we were going to do for them and what we weren't. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can't do everything for everybody, and if you try to do everything for everybody you tend to do it very poorly, mm-hmm. right? So we got really focused on our customers. We got very focused on our employees, although we had to do some pretty massive layoffs um, at the time. Basically, the layoffs were in order so that you could make the next payroll. Mm-hmm. This was not to maximize your next bonus or anything else. It literally was, if we don't do layoffs, the cash in the bank is not going to make the payroll. Mm-hmm. So that's the way we operated for a long time. I mean, for... For a number of years, my Monday morning involved sitting down with Ann Ducatelli and finding out, figuring out which bills we were going to pay. And you look at it, and you got to pay, you know, certain bills you got to pay. You got to pay payroll. 
you got to pay the phone bill because they can cut it off and then your customers can't reach you. So, um, you know, that was kind of the early, early days of, of the business. Um, but we had, to, we had to do some hard things. But we really focused our, on our employees at that point. We have never done a pay freeze. We've never done pay cuts. Uh, it just doesn't work as mm-hmm. a business. So a lot of pressure during 2001 to do that, 2008, 2009 to do that, uh, even, even during the pandemic to do that. Um, so we've been very focused on those two things. And usually if you get those two things right, um, it usually works. So I thought there was a value in thinking about this segment because he was just really honest about some of the tough things they had to work through. And I think sometimes as leaders, we get the idea that I'll be above that. I can kind of keep the big picture things happening and then someone else will take care of those details. And he just shared very personally how he had to dig in every Monday and think about some very specific things. So what were you hearing as he shared some of that? Well, later on in the interview, he talked about how deeply he believes in optimism and that he's an optimist. And but. You know, one of our favorite phrases here is realism before positivity. Right. Um, you know, Jim Collins talked about the brutal facts. And if you don't have enough money to meet payroll, that's a brutal fact. Yeah. And you shouldn't borrow that money. And so making the hard decisions now will make some of the decisions later easier. Right. I was um, sitting next to him at that table. Mm-hmm. You, know, you could you could hear the empathy, yes. his, but also the resolve. Yeah. And that, that combination, I think, is very powerful. Yeah. And I like that he brought it back to how do we get through that? We focus on customers and employees. Very straightforward. Again, that labeling ID is very focused on what had to happen. Yep. So found that to be very powerful. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about next? Later on then in the conversation, you ask him how he thinks about fun. And I thought that was a really interesting way for him to bring out the other side of him. He's talked about the empathetic side to bring out that winning edge side of him. So yes. Yeah, so I should probably set it up here yeah. by saying that one of our signature concepts is a concept called the seven F's. And the seven F's is a framework by which we can measure how satisfied people are with the big things that are going on in their lives. And so the seven F's in alphabetical order are faith, family, finances, fitness, friends, fun, and future. And so I asked him, well, everyone in the audience does a seven F's wheel exercise. We organize them in the shape of a circle. And you can do an assessment there. And I asked him about his self-assessment, and this is how he responded. Well, first off, winning is fun. <laughs> and if that's, if that's because you're posting good results or you have great people yeah. or people are being promoted, there's a lot of different ways that you, that you see winning within the business. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you, you, you hire a new great executive, um, there's a number of people here that actually started out as individual contributors and are now VPs with uh, three, four hundred people under them mm-hmm. um, have huge jobs. Those are all things, but it all kind of comes back to, mm-hmm. to winning. Mm-hmm. So the participation award at, for me is not all that fun, um, but, the, <laughs> but the winning, winning is fun. Yeah. So uh, you can judge that in a lot of different ways. Yeah. But, and and obviously it, uh, the people we have at SBS Commerce are pretty mm-hmm. pretty exceptional, and get along well. Uh, push each other, yeah. But they push each other, right? I mean, that's the that's the joy is that you're pushing each other and you're making each other better. Um, everybody from management team on up, we all have the same 
incentive plans with bonus and equity. Mm -hmm. So we're aligned. It's all about winning the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. right? I remember Tom Brady a few years back told one of his uh, linemen, it's like, so you're playing to make the Pro Bowl? I'm playing to win the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. right? So, um, and then you got to believe that if you win the Super Bowl, you're going to get a pretty nice free agent contract, right? Yeah, there you go. That's, yeah, <laughs> you know, there's got to be the payoff yeah, as, winning as well. Yeah, winning begets winning. Yeah, winning begets winning. So what, were you, what do you hear in his comments there? What do you take away from that, Paul? No one likes to lose. Right. And I'm also thinking that we, we do spend a fair amount of time working with some of our clients, getting them to believe that winning is important. Yeah. It's amazing. Some people say, no, you don't understand our culture. And it's like, well, maybe, but if the opposite of winning is not winning, you do not have a healthy culture if people continually think we're losing. Yeah. It was funny the way he put it out there, and everyone got a kind of chuckle out of that, which was, I think, healthy in the audience to kind of go, oh, winning is an okay thing. I liked he tied it into people, and winning can be promotions, and it can be results. It's not always just external things. It can be internal things also. And I liked his analogy at the end about are you playing to win the Super Bowl or winning the, to get into the Pro Bowl. And I think sometimes people assume if I just get that next promotion, I just get this one project done, then it's a win. And it's a win for them, but it may not be a win for the team yet. And so that was a really good way for him to put that together. Well, and for a fair number of people in our population, making more money is also fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I love how you just put it right out there. Yeah. Okay. So now let's transition to a part of the Good Leadership Breakfast where we... Uh, Ask a leader to explain his or her success habits. And what do we mean by success habits? It's the things that any leader has learned to do over and over again, maybe even subconsciously, because it really works for them. So leaders are not very good at articulating their own success habits. Yeah. We, you know, we, we have this little thing in our back of our head that says we shouldn't brag. So what we do is we ask people on their direct reports to tell us what are the things you've observed that if you had a bigger job you, that you've learned from Archie that you would do over and over again. So let's cut to uh, how he explains how he and I discuss his three success habits. Yeah. So, I mean, when we think about it, our employees really need to understand our business. And to understand a business, you need to understand your customers' problems. So one of the things we actually have is we have a mock distribution center in our facility. So everybody, every employee can go through training as to what the life of a customer is. Because if you don't know what the life of your customer is, I don't know how you solve their problem. And if, it, if you start moving away from the customer, uh, you, you're, just gonna, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, so, you know, we want to develop talent. So I would tell you our sales organization, our customer success organization, our technology organization... The training and people development uh, resources that they have is pretty excessive. And, uh, you know, if you believe that great employees are going to be your competitive advantage, yeah. everybody says that. Yeah, we hear it a lot. We hear it a lot. And uh -huh. then you go, okay, what were, what were the actions? What were the investments you made? Yeah. Well, none. We were just hoping that it was going to happen. Right? Yeah. And that, that usually doesn't work. I had a boss one time, somebody used the word hope to him. They were hoping to do something. He told, me, he told them hope was for losers. And uh, <laughs> he didn't want hope, he wanted action. Yeah, or Vikings fans, yeah. right? Yeah, Vikings fans. <laughs> <laughs> so you need, to, you need to invest in your employees, mm -hmm. and you need, to, you need to make sure you're continuing um, educating mm -hmm. them on, on the customer, on mm -hmm. different practices. So 
Um, it's something we, we believe, it's not just for goodness, it's, it's a selfish yeah. proposition. If you're going to have it's somebody... for winning. Yeah, it's for winning. For if winning, you're going to have yeah. somebody that's an injury-level person, they're going to become a D- VP someday. That doesn't, mm-hmm. they're not just, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's got to be very intentional. So the se- second success habit is stay focused. Don't do the things that don't fit in the bullseye. So can you uh, tell us a little bit more about what that means and how you do it? Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about this a lot as a business. I'm very focused as a, as a person. I have a uh, small little secret. My login is always my top priority. So I always have one top priority. And so people are always a little bit interested what my login is because yeah. if, it's, if it's their department, yeah, it might not go. be the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> but usually we're yeah, very, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, very yeah. focused. Yeah. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we have a vision statement that is to be the world's retail network. Yeah. So a lot of people come up with ideas on how you can make a lot of money and how you can do things. If it's not within our vision statement, one of the first things I say to our new employees, we have an executive uh, donuts with executives, breakfast with new employees. I tell them to make sure they understand our, uh, our vision, mission, and values yeah. of, of the business, and they should know our strategic initiatives. If they have an idea, I'm open to it. If they have an idea outside of the vision statement, I have no interest. None. Zero. We're not discussing it. That's what we do. We have a 20-plus billion-dollar market opportunity. We're a $550 million business. I can grow another 30x mm-hmm. doing what we're doing, doing what we're really doing well. So I get bankers all the time coming to my office, and they go, you know, if you do this, it's a game changer. And I, I always have a little response that they don't like. I say, okay, so you're telling me I, w- I don't want to do it because it's a game changer. We're winning the game. Yeah, we're winning already. Why would we change? Mm-hmm. I mean, who wants to change the game when, yeah. you're, when you're winning? Mm-hmm. So we just stay very focused. People, I think people that succeed are very focused. We have five strategic initiatives at the most. Usually one or two are the most important. People know what they are. And you'll see in life that if you try to do 20 strategic initiatives, you do zero of them well, you fail in all of them, and you don't go anywhere. But if you do three, four, or five, and you crush them, and you actually move the ball forward, you do really well. So just everything we do as a business, we talk about focus. And it just, it just, it just makes things work. It's refreshing because that's usually the first value proposition that we provide to our clients when they're struggling is focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the last thing is stay calm. When did hard become bad? I, yeah, no, I heard somebody say that um, hard is not bad. Hard is great, right? I mean, hard things are fun. Solving hard problems are fun. Uh, doing something that's hard, that means you're doing something that other people aren't doing. Our business is hard. Mm-hmm. If our business wasn't hard, we'd have a ton of competitors mm-hmm. that would be outperforming us. We mm-hmm. don't. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, our, if what we're doing for our customers was easy, our customers would do it themselves. Yeah, sure. Right? So... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, you just, as the leader of an organization, there's a lot that comes at you. Mm-hmm. And you do need to just stay calm mm-hmm. and sort through it. And if you run around as a leader with your, uh, like a chicken with their head cut off, it just doesn't work for mm-hmm. you well. Because you pivot and everybody else is still running around, right? <laughs> and then you're, you're calm. So I think just staying calm. Now, I'm an optimist, and people around me know I'm an optimist. So when I hear problems, I view it as, we're winning, we're doing well, and there's something we're not doing very well, 
So if we do that better, then we're going to win by more. Mm -hmm. So I do have an optimistic view of life just because if you, you know, if you didn't have problems, how would you ever get better? That's right. So there's a lot there. So what did you hear at the top of your list? Well, I loved all three of the success factors. Two really caught my attention. One just is near and dear to my heart. But I liked the way he defined and talked about education and training. It wasn't just about we provide lots of education training opportunities and classes and things. It was we educate and train our employees to be focused on the business and the customer. That was powerful because I think sometimes in leadership development, people assume it's just the exercise of going through the sessions that matters. It's when you understand the business and the customer that really connects. So that was powerful. And of course, as I share with you after, right after the breakfast, that idea of heart is not bad was just really powerful. Because I think often, again, we go back to the harmony, the comfort, the, what we like, and that really just stuck right in my head. Mine is more simple. I'm thinking about changing my password to the system to my top priority. I just thought that was awesome. What a simple idea. It's back to labeling again. N- note to our administrator who runs our IT, I'll probably be changing my passwords. And I think I know what that is. <laughs> so at this point in the program, Kevin, you always lead a workshop in the room with about 200 guests or closer to 250 guests today to accelerate their own understanding of whatever success habits they were exploring in their own head. Uh, what did you learn? What, what did you do in the workshop today? And then ultimately, what did people learn? Good leadership as a team sport is our theme for the fall series. And so each time we've done something to move that concept forward. And today we had them think about how you build and sustain team momentum. And so we provide them a worksheet of the 24 items in our team momentum survey, give a chance to think about that from their own perspective and identify, is it a structural element or relational element that would most effectively move their team forward? So that was very powerful. People really dug deep into that thinking. I thought they'd kind of run through the assessment fairly quickly and get into the conversation. Today was the first time they stayed in the thinking part longer than the discussion part. I think it's because it really caught their attention. What we learned, though, was, remember I said earlier, a lot of people in the room identify themselves as being relational leaders. Many of them, when I asked the question, "Are you, is it a relational part or a structural part to improve, the hands went up a lot higher on the structural element. So, I began to recognize relational leadership is okay, and the structural part makes it even better. Because we talked to them about using data to actually understand and lead their team, just like they do in finance and sales and operations. This gave them a way to put their thinking around that and go, structural is not bad. It actually is effective and helpful, those two parts of epoxy. And my comment was very similar and different in the fact that data is a structural thing. Yeah. Okay. And so goodness, people think about this this flowery, sugary concept. But the reality is, is that you can't lead with encouragement, accountability, and positive teamwork unless you've got some data that supports it. And I love it when we continue to collect data and use data to help people improve their teams because it always drops right to the bottom line for the business. Correct. Yeah. So it was a great uh, workshop. It could have gone on for a half hour for sure. Sure. So near the end of the program, for more than 10 years now, we've ended the interview with our speakers with the same question. Let's end our debrief today by listening to Archie answer that question in his own way. A couple things. One, at the end of the day, you know, tell people, you got to look in the mirror. And that's, if you pass that test, you're fine. Right? That's what we're, what, what is the most important. 
Now you can kid yourself and you can go, oh, you know, fitness is pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, really that's right. Yeah. But you, you need to do that. But I'm a little bit, maybe I'm blessed, maybe I'm naive. I, every time I've ever done the right thing um, without a plan that it's going to pay off, I've always been rewarded. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one story I've, I've shared in the past was, uh, oh, this is probably 2000. 16, we bought a company with an office in Kiev. So we actually have an office in Kiev and um, are supporting the, uh, our, our 98 employees uh, there. But when I went there for the first time, uh, as, I was, as I was driving to the airport with Yuri, who was running the office, I, I hadn't really th- talked about how much our employees make. And I, I said, well, how much, how much do we pay an entry-level person? Um, and he said, well, the, when entry level's 400 a month, he goes, it's a lot cheaper to live in Ukraine than it is in the U.S. $400 a month it, um, to start, and then they go to 800 after six months. And I thought to myself, wow, $400 a month? How? I said, how do you live on $400 a month? And his response to me was, you don't want to know, Archie. And so my mind immediately, like, I'm a visual person, my mind immediately pictured this guy living under a bridge and it's raining and he's in a box and then there's a newspaper story that says I got a bonus and the stock appreciated and my mom and my wife just pounded the crap out of me like you're doing that based on somebody so what we ended up doing was I said as of Monday I want everybody paid $800 a month right I'm not going to have people that can't live on what they make and we didn't have that many people and um but I think we've had a We've built a great culture, and it actually was an accelerator of that great culture. We became a recruiting favorite. I mean, when you're paying double the market and you're actually going to treat people like human beings and others don't, it's like, that's nice. when mm-hmm. That's your standard. We're going to treat you like a mm-hmm. human, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. nobody else is. I mean, so we ended up, I think, getting really rewarded, and we built a great office over there. So it wasn't an intent of, like, well, we'll get paid back on this. It was just... To be honest with you, it was more fear of, like, if my wife and my mom ever found out, I'd be in trouble. Well, and I think this is what we talked about earlier, just the relational nature of Archie in this conversation. Because he talked about winning and all these results-driven things throughout the conversation, and this was the empathetic part coming back out. But he blended those two so well. So what did you take away as he shared his response to why goodness pays in his leadership? Very simple. I wrote down the two words, good guy. Mm-hmm. People are attracted to goodness. Mm-hmm. People who live in sincere ways, they're generous with their time, they're revealing, they have energy, positivity. Archie is a good guy. I could have interviewed him for three straight hours. And, you know, it's one of the biggest joys of what I do for a living and what we get to do here at Good Leadership is to host these conversations with people who are good guys like Archie Black. Mm-hmm. And I think the audience would have listened for three hours. So thank you for joining us today on the Good Leadership Podcast, the debrief of Archie Black. If you missed the Good Leadership Breakfast in person and would like to watch the video, it'll be posted on social media and Good Leadership website soon. As a reminder, our firm, Good Leadership, is an organizational effectiveness coaching firm. We exist because everyone knows you can't have an effective organization without good leadership, and you can't have good leadership without goodness. You can find information about our past and future breakfasts on social media, by joining our email list, or by searching our website, goodleadership.com. We'll pick up the Good Leadership Breakfast again in February 2024, when our speaker will be Rod Young, who's the CEO of Delta Dental. And thank you for investing in yourself. 
this product is one of the many resources for self-directed learning instead of our Good Leadership Essentials program to provide greater leadership capacity in organizations. Today, we're featuring the Team Book Study Bundle. That's 10 copies of the book, Good Leadership as a Team Sport, and a group study guide to accelerate the development of your team. This bundle will challenge your team to embrace the power of goodness and to begin to think about that team momentum at different levels. The mission of the Good Leadership Breakfast and our firm is to spread goodness through good leaders because we've proven goodness pays. Have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. And as you think about your own leadership, what do we want everyone to remember, Kevin? Goodness pays. Yes, goodness pays. Goodness pays.